Hi, welcome to those who are here. We're just going to be starting in about one more minute. And so just uh, love to see a few of you just tell me that you can hear me, that you can see me. Um, let me know where you're from and uh, let me know what you want to get out of this webinar as well. Just whilst we're waiting for other people to come on board, it'd be great just to hear from. Got a couple of people from the States, some people from the UK and some people from France, which is wonderful. So, yeah, just let me know who you are. Introduce yourself and what you're looking for. Can you hear me OK? Can you see me OK? Just so I know I'm not talking to a vacuum and we'll be starting in about 60 seconds once I know that we're all working OK and everything's fired up. Great. So Ireland. Hi. So Charles from Ireland. Nice to see you, Charles. Wendy from the River Fresno. I know the River Fresno. It's been a while since I was in Fresno. Um, how is it all going over there? Um, I The Fresno River Fresno is a church I ministered at uh, a number of times when I lived in the States. And um, actually, my brother and sister-in-law were the pastors, but um, I, I was involved with the church before they were the pastors as well. So great to see you, Wendy. Uh, I hope you're doing really well. And who else have we got? Uh, anyone else? Germany. Nice to see you. Uh, transition. Yeah, transition. Good. Good things are happening. It's great to hear. Transition is always a, a great and funny time in any church. Um, I might do something on transition uh, in a future webinar, the, the four types of transition you get. And um, South Africa. Oh, lovely. Oh, I love South Africa. I've been to South Africa. Um, Cape Town, Joburg. The Sutu, actually, that was a number about 15 years ago now. Loved it. Um, a healthcare worker. Um, <laughs> sure, who gets frustrated. I'm married to a healthcare worker, so I get frustrated. Um, so just want to give it a minute or so, just so we've got a few more people coming through. Um, but I love that we've got some people from, from Ireland, Charles Island. Yeah, I think you were on last week, if I remember. Um, fantastic. I'd love to know what part of Ireland you're in. I've not been to Ireland yet, but um, it's on my, my bucket list, especially as I'm in Scotland, so I'm not that far away. And um, brilliant. Well, we'll get kind of cork. Ah, oh, great. Fantastic. I've, um, I've heard, I hear lovely things about, about Ireland, obviously. And um, yeah, definitely would be on my wish list to see. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? And just great to see a few more people coming through. Um, but I will get started because I want to make sure that we honour everyone's time. And thank you so much for coming and dialing in. Um, I um, hope that we, we, what I want to do is serve you. Um, oh, thanks, Charles. Oh, you got my book on hearing God. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote a book on hearing God, hearing the heart of heaven. You can get it on my website. Just looking at um, the prophetic gift and the. I just wanted to kind of take that gift, which is quite misunderstood, and make sure it's really biblical but really practical. So it wasn't all kind of spiritual, like what you're talking about, but it also wasn't um you know just kind of like uh, it was biblical and grounded and real so um yeah take a look if that's the sort of thing you're into um so let's get going um thanks for coming in dialing in wherever you are um i don't have many rules for webinars um i love interaction um i don't want to sit here and uh, be in a vacuum you can see behind me i'm, I'm in my my study my study stroke spare room um so um you know 
I've not obviously got some kind of fancy thing going on. I want to make sure I'm serving you, that what I'm saying is resonating and helping. So if you've got questions, um, there's you can see a Q&A box. Please put questions. I love questions um, and I will do my utmost to respond and answer to them either there and then all the right time, depending on, you know, flow of things. And um, there's a chat box as well. And I will sometimes just put things out just to make sure everyone's awake and, um, you know, kind of get a bit more of an interaction. So please, um, I'd love to be hearing from you what's speaking and resonating. So I want to make sure that we're serving you. Um, so we're going to talk about frustration today. Let me pray at the beginning. Um, and people are obviously going to be coming in and out. I understand that. Um, the this will be emailed to you um, you will get a link with this replay so you can watch it again um, and obviously that means that some people who are watching this for the first time aren't going to be on this call um, but you know some people might like to watch it a couple of times or so and that's absolutely fine so you will get an email in the next kind of couple of days or so with with this um, webinar on so father as we all come in and we'll um, looking to learn from your your word and um, we're talking about frustration so maybe it's fair to say that all of us have got some level of frustration about something in our lives uh it could be small it could be big it could be one thing it could be many but uh, i pray father as we're talking as we're listening you would speak holy spirit you would go before me um lord you would anoint the right words that i say that are from you and not the words that are from me um, and that we would get uh, revelation or we would get breakthrough or we would get insight um, that we would know we've encountered you at the end. Lord, I pray that in Jesus name. Amen. So let's talk about frustration. Um, what is frustration? Where does it come from? Um, and all those kind of wonderful things. So, you know, there's so many ways we can get frustrated, so many sources of things. Um, maybe you're a leader and you've got things and they're not quite going to plan. Uh, that could be a source of frustration. Maybe um, whether you're a leader or not, you've got dreams, you've got ambitions, you've got goals and they're not happening. They're not progressing. They're not moving forward. They're delayed. That can be frustrating. Uh, maybe you feel that where you are in your, your life, that your, your skills, your gifts, your calling is not being recognized, whether that's in a workplace, outside the church or in the church. Uh, that's frustrating. Maybe you've got promises over your life for, uh, that you just feel, again, does not come through yet and you feel like but god you said this frustrating maybe you're frustrated with your husband or your wife or your parents or your children or your colleagues or your pastor or your staff your other people we may be frustrated there's so many things about frustration um, that can cause it and i would say that there's one thing with um frustration that is uh, a given is that all of us are going to get frustrated at some point in our life whether that's a momentary frustration because my kids didn't tidy their bedrooms up or a significant frustration. Now, frustration comes when we don't get what we want. Um, it comes from blocked goals, if you like. And so um, what I want to propose is that frustration is a sign, actually, that God wants to work within us in something and around a specific area. So I'm not saying that frustration is a negative or a bad thing. Uh, it's a sign of something. And so I think it's more about how you respond to frustration that actually is uh, whether it's a, a productive and positive or a negative thing for us. So what I want to do today is, is look at how we can steward times of frustration so that we don't get key lessons missed or overlooked. Um, and actually, those key lessons will be harnessed by us to help our spiritual growth and maturity increase. Um, now, 
scripturally i love scripture i love the bible i love to make sure that what i'm talking about is scriptural i think it's really important and so when you think about hebrews 11 you think about the heroes of faith we've got loads of examples of the heroes of faith in hebrews 11 and you can read the names and you can think about the exploits they've all done and things you know stories that are recorded in scripture one of the names given is moses and moses is a hero of faith he's an example to us now let's just kind of get a bit of a context here because we can we all know moses we've all got familiarity with different aspects of moses life and his story quick kind of context check you know we're thinking about egypt we're thinking about 1500 bc so you know uh, a thousand you know 1500 years before christ hebrews are enslaved but they're growing they're growing exponentially and the pharaoh the king the ruler of egypt he's concerned at the number of hebrew slaves because he thinks that if there's too many of them he's got a rebellion on his hands and then in effect the slaves will overthrow their masters and the masters will become the slaves so his way of dealing with this of, of, of squashing a prospective rebellion is that he puts out this edict that all the male babies born should be killed Moses is hidden by his you know his mother and put in a basket which is then kind of floats down the river and the baby's rescued downstream by a young woman who turns out to be Pharaoh's daughter and you know there's this DreamWorks cartoon you know uh, the the prince of Egypt which kind of obviously puts visual so if you haven't seen it it's actually pretty good um the pharaoh's daughter adopts moses and moses who actually should have been killed at birth is instead raised as egyptian royalty in the egyptian royal household so what you can see is god had a purpose for moses life but that doesn't mean that everything was easy and hebrews 11 goes on to elaborate a little bit so you know whether you've got your bibles in front of you or not hebrews 11 from verse 23 through to 28 we're just gonna i'm just gonna read that because that's kind of the passage that i want to pull some stuff out of so uh, Hebrews 11, verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin as he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And by faith, Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, that kind of cast over a lot of things that Moses did is an act of faith. You know, in his life by faith, he was, uh, you know, he refused uh, to embrace being known as Pharaoh's sort of the son of Pharaoh's or his, in effect Pharaoh's grandson, choosing to identify with the Hebrews. He, by faith, left Egypt, left leaving a comfortable life behind him that was available to him, not being scared about Pharaoh's because he knew I'm more focused on God and Pharaoh. And by faith, he kept Passover to remember. And he went through the kind of the ritual sacrifices, as it, as it were, um, and even you know, initiated the Passover in faith so that the firstborn of the Hebrews wouldn't die as the destroyer came round in that final plague out of the 10. So you've got five verses and there's three keys that I can kind of see there that for us to take hold of when frustration comes. Okay, three keys. So I'm gonna go through three keys and we'll see where we go. So the first key 
I think when I see this is when we get frustrated, the first key of dealing with frustration is to fight fear. It's to fight fear. Now, verse 23 tells us that when Moses was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was beautiful as a child, but also they weren't afraid of the Pharaoh. They weren't afraid of the Pharaoh. I think sometimes when we get frustrated, frustration is, can actually be a bit of a mask for fear. It can be a mask for us being scared because we can be scared that what we're wanting or hoping or dreaming for isn't going to take place. We get fearful that it's all going to go wrong. Um, we're fearful that, you know, all these kind of things that we've maybe invested ourselves in emotionally are going to be futile and wasted. And hope gets replaced with hopelessness, which is in effect a fear of the worst possible future. And so I think fear loves to piggyback on the back of frustration. Now, Moses' parents didn't fear Pharaoh because they were more aware of the power of God and more aware of their trust and hope in God than the power of the king. I'm sure you've heard this, but fear, F-E-A-R, can be spelled as false expectations as reality. False expectations as reality. That's what fear is. We get we expect the worst false expectations and we, in effect, assume, oh, well, that's real. That's going to happen. And then our fear is a response to that kind of imagined negative future. So fear is future focused. It's that worst case scenario. It's that what if, but from a negative perspective. And so it's a voice of danger. It's a voice of alarm. It's a voice of a voice of helplessness. And sometimes fear pretends to be wisdom. It masquerades as wisdom. You know, and I'm not saying that caution isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that being uh, kind of slowing things down is not a bad thing. But sometimes we don't do those things out of faith or wisdom. We do them out of fear, but we call it wisdom. Now, what's interesting is fear is future focused, but faith also can be and is future focused because faith comes from hearing the word of God, Romans tells us. And God's voice is kind. It's wise. It's hope filled. Whereas fear is not kind, not wise or not hope-filled. So perspective is really key. Both fear and faith stand on that what-if question. But fear will say something like, God can't, God won't. Whereas faith will say, God can, God will. And so fear is based on one of two lies. It's either God doesn't love us and so bad things are going to happen. Or God isn't powerful, so bad things are going to happen. And I wonder if that's why the first line of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us is our Father who is in heaven. Because there's two things in that, isn't there? God is our Father. He's my Father, your Father, who loves you, who loves me, who loves us. And he's in heaven. He sits on a throne. He sits on power, authority over all else, over everything else. And that's what that kind of first one the lord's prayer tells us it's almost like an antidote to fear because there's a god who loves us and a god who's powerful in heaven so how do we fight fear i think you know a, a few things can help us fight fear and i'm not sitting here saying that i'm one who has never been scared or, or still doesn't get scared or get fearful or, or anxious i mean anxiety is another word for fear whatever word we want to use you know i'm not saying i've nailed or conquered this thing um but what can I say is there's things that I've, I know that if I do and turn my heart towards help, the first thing is that when I become, when I choose to focus and become more aware of God than my circumstance or my situation or my fear um, through getting close to him and spending time with him and connecting and interacting with him. 
Because if you don't consider God in your future, then of course your future is going to look bleak. Of course, because we're called to walk by faith, which means we're called to walk as ones who, as if God doesn't come through for us, it's all going to be rubbish. So, of course, we need to have a, a heightened kind of God awareness. And sometimes there's times where you just need to kind of tip into that a little bit more um, kind of focused, if you like, or more diligently or more kind of um, sort of, uh, um, yeah, intentionally, I suppose, is a, is a good word. So fighting fear comes by becoming more aware of God than aware of the thing that's causing fear. Secondly, though, it's also reminding ourselves just who God is, reminding ourselves of his nature, his attributes, his character. Um, when you look through Psalms, the Psalms is brilliant to go through for um, devotions and, and kind of when you need to get a bit more of a kind of re reframed God view, I think. I, that's what I, I, I do with Psalms. I kind of go through a Psalm a day and just kind of marinate on it and chewing it what we do is we remember because you read it in the psalms it's truth who god is and what he's done what he's done for us and what he's done for others we remember testimonies things that he's done for others and that he's going to do for ourselves because then the nature of the thing comes in well if god's faithful and he's done something before then why won't he do it again so sometimes you remind yourself about who god is by going okay I'm, I'm I find myself fearful about money I find myself fearful about paying, being able to pay the bills or where's the next kind of client going to come from or I need this pay rise or promotion or whatever but God's done it before he's brought clients in he's brought provision in he's brought you know cash in he's brought whatever if this is you know like an area but if he's done it before why won't he do it again because he says he's a provider well if he's a provider who doesn't provide he can't call himself a provider and he doesn't lie so sometimes we just look back over our own lives and go, well, what's God done for us before? And you can look back over the lives of other people. What's he done for them? And you can look through scripture. Well, God did this for Abraham. He did this for Moses. He did this for David. And the Psalms kind of gives us uh, some, some stuff there that we can kind of draw from and own and access as our own. So sometimes reminding ourselves who God actually is, is a helpful thing for fighting fear. A third thing is reminding ourselves of the promises of God. You can remind yourselves that if he said it and he's got a track record of coming through, then if he's saying it again, he is going to bring it through. He is going to bring things to pass because Philippians says that what God begins, he brings to completion. He's an author. He starts saying, and he's a perfecter. He refines and finishes it. And what God begins always starts off with him speaking. It always starts with him declaring. It always starts off with him promising because his word is He's good. His word is true. He speaks and then he acts. So that's a third way we can fight fear. And another way you can fight fear is by changing our perspective. And this is an interesting one because um, there's a spiritual um, discipline of confession. But confession is a lot bigger than confessing sin. And sometimes I think arguably in the Western church, in the Protestant church, we have uh, major or focus on this. Um, actually, what we have is um, confession is really when we say, God, I agree with you. God, I agree with you. It's broader than just confessing sin. Um, it's saying, God, you see this. I'm choosing to change my mind. I'm choosing to repent, to renew my mind, like Roman says, and agree with you. And declaration actually is another kind of spiritual discipline where we're speaking out things that God's spoken and saying, God, you said this, you're going to do this. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm going to live as if I believe this to be true. And so in a funny way, they're two sides of the same coin. 
Confession is looking backwards and declaration is looking forwards. But in effect, what they are both doing is bringing ourselves to agreement with God and into alignment with God. Because what we're saying is, God, you saying this, I'm seeing this. Well, one of us has not got the right perspective here. I'm changing to line with you. And that's how we can help fight fear, because fear is a perspective that we have when we don't consider God. And so the one of the ways we fight it is by considering him and bringing him into that worst case scenario. What does that look like? How does that change things? It might not actually be as worst case as we think. So that's uh, the first thing. So the first thing, the first key to fighting frustration, uh, to, to kind of overwhelming frustration and dealing with frustration and facing frustration is by fighting fear fighting fear let me know if this is helpful or resonating or, or encouraging or challenging you um I, I, it's obviously great to hear a little bit of interaction or feedback from people and i'm going to obviously keep going but um i just want to know if what it, it, we're saying is actually kind of yeah if god's speaking to any of you or, or, or provoking or prodding any of you um because if he is that's a great moment to kind of pause and land on that sometimes you know when, when you're speaking or teaching or preaching sometimes you want to kind of go well what's resonating with people and and kind of going with it so let's do that if you've got anything um that's great thanks very much so martin says a reminder that's great fantastic so if we keep going um the second key the first key was fighting fear the second key is when we're frustrated is to find focus is to find our focus now verses 24 and 25 in this passage Moses it says that by faith Moses when he was grown up he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and instead he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than join the fleeting pleasures of sin he made a decision he made a choice when we get frustrated, we can lose our focus because actually emotions can get into the driving seat. Our emotions, our feelings can kind of take over. And emotions and feelings are not bad. They're not bad things. But how we respond and handle them is, again, the important thing. Because um, emotions and feelings, if they get in charge, they take over and they get into the driving seat. They can change not just how we see, but they can change what we see. Um, because the reality is that when you focus on something, you start to head towards it. Now, if you're not sure what that means, next time you're driving, look at something you're not driving towards and see what happens. Because you're either going to crash or you'll basically just start to gravitate and steer towards what it is you're looking at. The point is that when we focus on it, it gets our attention and therefore it dominates our perspective. What we focus on, we get influenced by, okay? And I think we all know this is fundamentally true because, you know, we're not idiots and we're not unaware of like, the media. We're not unaware of stuff that you can get on TV and films and, and you know, media and stuff like that. We, we know this. We know this. So the more we think on something, it's a, it's a truth. It's a universal truth. Um, the more we think on something, the more we consider, the more we look at, the more we meditate. And meditate is just a word that just means think and ponder um behold the more we behold something the more power the more grip the more influence it has on us so how do we know if we've lost our focus okay how do we know if we lost our focus well a few things that i think on i'm sure if you can think of others please put them in the, the chat box how do you know when you've lost your focus well i know for me i become more aware of what i'm lacking 
rather than what I have. That can be a sign sometimes that I've just, my focus is not on God anymore. It's on anything or something else. I can focus on negatives and not on positives. Um, I can embrace things that are more like poverty thinking, um, like poor old me, I haven't got enough. It's, you know, nothing's good enough. It's a, a wealth mentality, which is, you know, actually I've got all good things available to me and they're not going to run out or, or diminish. Um, I can be thinking I'm poor when really I'm rich. I, I don't count my blessings in a sense. I'm, I, I kind of forget what God has done and given me. Um, I stop Thanksgiving and I begin complaining and I begin moaning. Um, I, I feel like a victim, feeling sorry for myself, but actually, weirdly enough, still rejecting advice and counsel. I become more aware of what isn't rather than what is. And actually, I find myself talking about what shouldn't be rather than what will be. And so there are some signs. Now, maybe you've got some others that you, you will think of yourself that just so you've taken your focus off God and of what he's doing and wants to do. And we're kind of looking downwards, if you like. Colossians has this phrase which talks about being heavenly minded. You know, if we're not heavenly minded, we can be earthly minded. And so, you know, are we heavenly minded today or are we earthly minded today? Um, and it's a simple thing. It's a simple lifting or lowering of the chin. And we all, it happens to us all. So how do we find our focus? Um, what things can help us just kind of find our focus, shift our perspective? Um, a, a couple of things, I think, that I, I sort of noticed with that scripture from about Moses. I mean, the first thing I want to say about it is, is that Moses is, um, he found himself. He found himself. Now, I know it's a funny phrase and it's got different like kind of, you know, um, connotations about people disappearing off into India or Thailand, the Far East and spending lots and lots of money to sit on a mountain and, you know, not have any food and just do nothing and then kind of go, oh, yeah, I found myself. You know, I don't mean that. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is he found himself. He found his identity. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he refused and rejected the privilege that could have come from that position. He rejected a false identity, in effect. And he didn't let others define who he was. He didn't let others look at him and go, you're Pharaoh's grandson, you're Pharaoh's daughter's son. No, no, he, he identified with his people and actually chose himself how he was going to be perceived, actually, in a sense. Um, he didn't let others define who he was because knowing our identity, our identity in Christ is essential to knowing our focus. Um, and uh, there's two things you need to know, basically, I think, which really help with the identity thing. We need to know who we are. We also need to know whose we are who we are and whose we are so letting the one who created us tell us about ourselves is a really smart move i don't know about you i've got an inner voice i've got an inner critic i've got a voice that loves to tell me when i'm out of my depth or when i'm an imposter or when i'm not very good at something or you know what are all these people going to think or why are you doing this or why are you saying that etc 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 there's a little voice nagging away nagging away um and it's not always the devil can be can be but actually sometimes it's just the flesh it's just fear it's just insecurity it's just our like funny bits if you like for one of a better kind of term you know that little voice it's away just being nag 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 sometimes the problem with uh 
believers, I would say us, is that we spend more time listening to what we think rather than telling ourselves what we should think. Let me say that again. Um, sometimes the problem with, with us is that we spend more time listening to what we think rather than telling ourselves what we should think. And as an example in Psalms about what I mean, um, one of the Psalms, it says this, it has this line, it says, why are you downcast, O my soul, hoping God? It's like the psalmist is like, what's wrong with me? Why am I miserable? Why am I feeling down? What is going on? hoping god god's going to do this god's got this he's going to sort this out and bring it through it's like he's, he's almost like telling himself off for letting himself get down and, and and downcast you know now we know as christians as believers that there's three things that want influence over us the world you know society the culture our flesh that's ourselves and the devil they all want influence over us they all want to kind of shape us and change us and, and mold us um the world is society it's culture but without god and if you let the world tell you who you are you'll focus on what the world cares about and you'll become distracted that's true for all of us our flesh is the aspects of us that are resisting that lordship of christ so if we let that flesh tell us who we are we're going to focus on sin we're going to focus on stuff like that and our walk with god is going to become more about sin than it actually does about god we end up becoming self-absorbed because christianity is never meant to be about sin management it's never meant to be about that. It's about to be a lot, lot more than that. But if we're more focused on that, it becomes sin management, which means it becomes self-absorbed because we feel like we're a failure and we feel like a wretch, but it's actually meant to be a whole lot more than that. And if you let the devil become, tell you who you are, then he's a liar. We'll focus on his lies and we'll become oppressed and enslaved to his lies. So Moses didn't let others tell him who he was. He chose to believe what God said about him. The other thing that Moses did, the second thing he did, which helped him find his focus, is that he found his people. He found his people. He chose to be with the people of God. If you notice that, he connected and identified with his tribe, the people who shared his values and he shared his worldview, and he fully embraced them. Even though they faced challenges, even though they faced difficulties, he embraced them. And he knew that by kind of saying yes to them, he was actually saying no to others. He was rejecting some of the privileges that were available to him if he'd remained with the Egyptians. So helping us find our focus actually can be about finding our people. So who are your people? Who shares your values and who shares your worldview? And because they're people that we need around us to continually speak our identity to us and remind us who we are, remind us of our destiny, and our calling and our future, to encourage us, people who know us and can speak truth to us. We need their teaching. We need their shaping. We need their influence, their advice, their guidance. We all need connection and we all need to be part of something bigger than ourselves, because that's actually the only way that we're able to grow and mature. So when we find our people, when we find our tribe, we can find a covering with them that brings us security and a protection. 
Um, we can have people around us and they'll help us refocus. They'll help us refocus. They'll bring other angles and perspectives and frames on things. Um, what they'll do is they'll, they'll, it's this phrase, they'll call out the gold in us. And because sometimes when we look at ourselves, we see mud, we see muck, we see dirt, we see not great things of value, or maybe we do, but we think, oh, it's a bit dainted, tainted or dented or dirty or, uh, but other people will see gold and be like, no, no. And they'll tell us things about ourselves that we don't see ourselves. And that's always beneficial, always beneficial, whether that is actually bringing us back down to earth sometimes or actually lifting us up with encouragement. So find your people and get your people close to you and let them speak into your life. Let them speak into your life and things that you maybe don't even want them to say because it will be valuable and do you good. And there's a proverb that says that, um, faithful are the wounds of a friend so some of us need those voices to kind of challenge us but all of us need encouragement all of us need encouragement um i'll, be, I'll do another webinar probably later on i think about the three types of people that we need in our life and um i, I, I don't want to talk about it because i'll go on a tangent i'll do a preaching tangent um but there's three types of people we need in our life and i'll talk about that and how we find and identify them and how we be them to other people but we need to find our people who are going to speak good to us and encourage and champion us and help us now the third thing that Moses did to um, help to find his focus is he fled sin, because if sin can take our focus and rob and you know rob our attention and, and distract us, then Moses he ran from it because he knew that. Because that scripture that we talked about from Hebrews eleven it tells us that he refused the fleeting pleasures of sin that were available to him as a prince of Egypt. Now you think about that you're a prince, money's no object. You're probably not going to be short of attention. You're going to have a load of people around you who are going to tell you what you what they think you want to hear. You're going to have sycophants around you. I, I'm sure there would be admirers, women admirers. Uh, you know, anything he wanted would have been available to him. And um, think of all the temptations that possibly could have been there. I don't know if you've noticed, but when we lose our focus, temptation is always nearby and rears its ugly head. It's almost like, oh, hello. The enemy loves to take advantage of our moments of weakness and moments of distraction by giving or offering something that seems really beneficial, but it's actually really toxic. I mean, let's just be really honest. If temptation wasn't pleasurable, it wouldn't be a temptation. If sin wasn't pleasurable, it wouldn't be a temptation because no one's going to want to do something that isn't fun or feel good or bring some kind of benefit to us, whatever that might be. You know, I mean, we just have to be honest about that. You know, think about this, you know, King David, okay, King David. We all know the story of him and Bathsheba. You know, he sinned with Bathsheba because he lost his focus. Because when you read the scripture, it says there are time during the times when kings go to war because they used to fight war in the summer when it was basically they weren't going to get bad weather. It was going to basically there was light, you know, basically how you fight a battle when you know it's not going to get rainy. It's not going to get really muddy. You're not going to get cold and you've got lights. So, OK, good time for a fight, guys. But at the times when kings go to war because kings would lead their army, he stayed home. He stayed home. His armies are out fighting. Other people are leading them. What's he doing? He's lost his focus. He's distracted and he's doing things and going places he shouldn't be at. So guess what happens? A temptation there. It rises up. So here's my questions to each of us. Are you where you are supposed to be? Who are you supposed to be with? Are you with the people you were supposed to be or not? 
And are you doing what you're supposed to be? Because if you're not where you should be, if you're with people you shouldn't be, and if you're not doing what you should be, you've lost your focus. And it's a, it's a dodgy road, potentially, the dodgy road, potentially. So how's your focus? How's your focus? The third key, we talked about how you fight fear is the first key when you're frustrated. We talked about finding your focus when you're frustrated because frustration can consume us. So finding our focus is important. The third key I found really helpful when frustration comes is to faithfully walk forwards, to faithfully walk forwards. Uh, verses 26 and 27 in Hebrews 11 talk about Moses. He considered the reproach of Christ to greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Sometimes when we get frustrated, we stop moving. Actually, we kind of pause. We wait. We kind of get paralysed. Um, we can overthink things and in effect, it's paralysis by analysis, because when we're frustrated, you start to second guess yourself. You start to second guess God. Did I make the right decision? Have I done the right thing? Did I get that thing wrong? Should I have done this when I could have done that? What about that? Or God, did I hear God right? Did I hear God correctly? God, did God really say he was going to do this? All these kind of things can happen. You end up going round in a circle, round circle, because you're, you're kind of, I mean, navel gazing is the phrase. You're kind of looking at your belly button, navel gazing, asking all these things, but you're just spinning around, spinning around, spinning around. And I'm not saying that there isn't a time where it's appropriate to reflect and to review and to, to be a bit more introspective, to contemplate things and, and review, you know, where we come from. But when it's all we do and there's no action or momentum or decision or outcome from it, that's when we kind of, in effect, we lose our focus because we get frustrated. Moses kept moving forwards. It's, it's telling us he didn't give up, he didn't cave in, or he didn't quit. He left Egypt. He wasn't afraid of the king. He endured as seeing him who's invisible. So you see someone who's invisible. That's a faith thing straight away. It's a faith statement. And so I bet, you know, you kind of have to think with Moses. When he's leaving Egypt, when he's got whining Israelites with him, was it, do you think he's always every day, yay, I'm so glad I'm here, God's with me? Or do you think he has tough days sometimes? Do you think he gets frustrated with their moaning and their groaning? Frustrated when there's, you know, when they kind of, moan because they don't have food and god gives them manna and then they moan because they get manna and god sends them quail they're moaning because they've got fire a pillar of fire and a cloud they're moaning because they haven't got melons anymore they forget that they're slaves and it, they just sound like a really frustrating bunch and i bet moses had days where he was frustrated with them but he kept moving forwards he kept faithfully moving forwards why why and how well this passage tells us in 26 verse 26 27 he was aware there was reward waiting for him. And so actually, maybe sometimes that's what got him through. Uh, I heard someone say that vision gives pain a purpose because you can be focused on your pain or you're focused on the vision. Okay, no, I'm going to get through this because I'm going to get here. I'm moving forwards through the pain. Moses knew God was good. And he knew that, and he believed that God had good things for him. He knew that God was a God who gives rewards. So maybe that was the knowledge, that was the motivation that was um, keeping him walking forwards. Now, reward is a really interesting concept. 
but it's actually utterly biblical because it tells us that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. It tells us that God says to Jeremiah that he's got plans to give his people a hope and a future. So there is this sense of blessing and future and rewards, and, and which kind of in effect are meant to fuel perseverance and disappointment and frustration. So what's the hope before you? What's the dream or the reward that God's spoken to you about? If you quit now, if you kind of stop moving forwards in your frustration, will you see it? Sometimes all you can say is, God, get me through today. But that's a start. That's a start. So how do we build our faith? How do we build that faith that can help us move forward? We remind ourselves what God has said, because faith comes from hearing the word of God. It's interesting that the tool we use to fight fear is the same tool we use to stir our faith. And we know this in scripture from Isaiah. It says that every word God speaks returns to his mouth. It fulfills it, its purpose. So God's words are meant to give us strength, encouragement. They're signposts. God's promises are signposts to help keep us walking in the right direction. Even when that path is a frustrating one because it's dark or it's long or it's cold or it's rugged or it's barren. Because the promise of God is, is that if he said it, he will bring it about. The when, the where, the how, they're all secondary questions. But the question of will he has already been answered. And sometimes that might be the thing you need, the impetus, the engine to keep you moving forwards. Because frustration will want to slow you down and stop you. So how do we, what can we do to build our faith when we don't see what we're longing for? Thanksgiving, that helps because thanksgiving centers us ourselves around god because we kind of position ourselves in a place where we, we're more aware through thanksgiving of who he is what he's done what he's doing and what he's going to do and it increases that voice of heaven so that other voices are drowned out that voice of frustration that's within us coming to us whether that's from us or another source and psalms tells us the key to entering god's presence is through thanksgiving Someone once said that sometimes we have disappointment with God because we haven't been having appointments with God, which I thought was quite insightful. Sometimes disappointment with God comes because we've not been having appointments with him. So Thanksgiving shapes our beliefs and it reminds us actively that God is active and that he's going to be active in the future. And that sort of thing is meant to stir faith. So let's come back to the life of Moses. OK. That all sounds wonderful and nice and lovely. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. But Moses knew he was Moses, but didn't know what being Moses would have been like, I'm sure. You know, at the, at the end of Moses' life, you know, obviously looking back, I bet there's moments when he was in the wilderness, when he'd run away and when he was with the Israelites or when he was in Egypt and the people were listening, he was like, what am I doing? What is this all about? And so let's look at the life of Moses and see how God actually can take seasons of frustration and redeem them and use them and this is where we're going to get maybe hopefully be a bit more practical so um you know maybe kind of zone in if you like come in um because i think there's some lessons for re of redemption think about seasons or areas where you're frustrated in and maybe some of these are going to be helpful for for this so this just remind ourselves about moses he's raised in pharaoh's household okay 
That means his education is going to be to lead a nation. Everything about being being taught in first household is about training a leader and not just training someone who leads a few groups of people, leads a nation, leads a people. So that education is about politics. It's going to be about economics and the finances of running a nation, a government, leadership, governing, management and administration on a, on a high and big and wide level. That's the education that Moses would have had. Because at that time, the Egyptians were one of the most advanced civilizations on the planet. And so their education would have been, you know, they, they were a dynasty. They've been around for so long and they were around and they're still around now. Um, and they had they conquered and ruled so much other land and nations. They were a superpower. So their leaders would have been trained from and identified from a young age and trained and trained and trained and trained how to lead nations. That was what Moses would have had. Now, then he runs away. He becomes a shepherd. For 40 years, he's in the wilderness, watching, waiting, questioning, wondering what's all gone wrong and gone on, learning how to care for and feed sheep. So you've got these two pronged things here. He's had the, uh, the he's had a king's education and he's had the education of a shepherd. And then there's the burning bush. The burning bush. Now, the thing about the burning bush is. When you read the scripture, the story tells us that he stops to look at the burning bush because he knows it wasn't being burnt up. That's what it says. He notices it wasn't being consumed by the fire. A bush on fire in the desert isn't a big deal, actually. It isn't a big deal. But a bush on fire that's not, you know, in a sudden smoldering and, and disintegrating and turning to ash is a big deal. How would he know that that was unusual? because he'd been in the desert, in the wilderness for so long that he knew that was a strange thing. If he'd never been in the desert and he saw that, it wouldn't have probably even registered with him. So my first thing is this, that through the history you've had, the walk with God you've had, the wilderness seasons you've had even, you don't know what knowledge you've got in your mind that God has deposited because of your history. Knowledge that in the future is all of a sudden going to be like, well, hang on, I see this, or I know this, or I'm not sure, because you've learned and been taught through experiences that maybe right now feel frustrating but in the future they're going to be really insightful for you for where god's going to lead you just like moses that burning bush was a pivot moment for him in his life because it changed and it was an encounter with god that, sh that shaped not only his destiny but the destiny of a nation all because he'd been in a frustrating season in the wilderness where he recognized a bush burning but not being consumed. That's weird. I need to look at this. And boom, God spoke to him. Another thing is, think about this. Now, God said to Moses, you need to go and talk to Pharaoh. Now, he went before Pharaoh. Now, that's obviously pretty intimidating when you think about that he's probably one of the world's most powerful men. And probably where well, you see later on, he's not exactly um, mentally well or stable. You know, he's volatile. And he's aggressive. Bose, Moses, though, knows how to address, how to interact with him. As he's in that court, he knows the language to talk, the words to say, because he's been schooled in it. So we don't know, you don't know what type of people you've been shaped to minister to effectively through your life. Maybe the experiences you've had in your life have actually been shaping you to be able to reach and minister and communicate powerfully with a certain type of people.
and we don't know it. Moses, I'm sure, didn't know that he was going to be, in effect, calling Pharaoh out publicly, but he knew how to do that through the political protocols because of his education, because they've got to steer his life. Another thing I noticed is that in the creation of the Passover, Moses, he gives instructions how to kill and how to prepare a lamb. Now, we think, oh, right, okay, fine. I don't know how to do that. Unless any of you are butchers or, you know, hunters or something, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like a common skill set or knowledge to me. How does Moses know that? Because he wouldn't know that for his education. He knows how to kill and how to prepare a lamb because he was a shepherd. What do shepherds eat? They eat lamb. I'm pretty sure that's a, if not everything, I'm pretty sure it's a major source of their food. The skills that Moses accumulated served a bigger purpose later on. He knew how to not only, you know, prepare a lamb, but how to communicate to others who'd never done it, how to kill and prepare a lamb for the Passover feast. It's because of the life and the, the journey that God had led him on. The fourth thing about Moses, he led, a, you know, now scholars are kind of saying that sometimes, you know, with, with, with the numbers, you know, the, the Israelites coming out, some people said, oh, it's about a million. Other people said it's about half a million. Other people said it's 100,000. You know, there's all these different things. The point is, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, men, women, children, animals, a lot of them. Leading them out of a nation to organize them, to get them to from point A to point B, the promised land, that takes skill, that takes wisdom, that takes knowledge, it takes authority. Moses had that education, Moses had that upbringing, how to do that. And we don't know what our upbringing, what our education, whether that's a formal or an informal education, we don't know how they've trained us ready and prepared us for future circumstances. So the seasons of frustration might be that actually God's putting things in you, preparing you, ready you for the future. He kept that same group of people alive in the barren wilderness. Now, how did he do that? How did he know how to survive in the wilderness? Yes, he was helped by a pillar of cloud, by a pillar of fire, by manna, of course. But also, he'd lived in the wilderness. He'd spent 40 years in the wilderness. So he would have picked up some things that would have been really helpful. So we don't know how our own wilderness, dry or barren desert times, have taught us and equipped us for the future. The other thing was that Moses heard from God. And then he communicated and ministered to those people in a way that they recognised he was anointed by God. They didn't think, oh, he was a crazy man, crazy man who lived in the desert. Oh, we remember you. you aren't you kind of Egyptian? No, no they recognised him as a, as a prophet, as someone who God has sent to them. We don't know how our anointing or skill set or giftings will manifest at just the right season, at the right time, in the right way, and be recognised and embraced by others. Because we could just be being us, you know, you doing you, but actually somebody else is saying, well, they say different here, they say unique, this is a God thing. Because God goes ahead and he prepares and he uses, he works in us, but he works through us as well. And so I want to just say, look, through the life of Moses, that kind of education, that time in the wilderness that were like his story, his life, through those things, God actually used him 
to you know let him recognize things that are unusual so that god could connect with him he knew how to deal with certain types of people like pharaoh he knew how to do things that would equip people and help them in their kind of interaction with god like the passover he knew how to lead he knew how to organize he knew how to keep people alive and shepherd them and care for them and he knew how to uh, kind of flow in partnership with god all things that would have been kind of almost like innately in him because of his life even if in, during those times of his life he would have been frustrated being amongst the egyptians frustrated being in the wilderness as a shepherd frustrated leading people frustration can be a teacher frustration can be something that equips us see god's always up to something and i'm coming towards the end now he's always up to something are you frustrated god's still doing something now to end, i want to give some questions to you i'm gonna put some questions to you um some things to kind of chew over and reflect if any of you got questions please send them through and you know we'll have a little interaction about them that's absolutely fine but whilst i'm waiting for those if any come great if none that's not a problem at all let me put some things to to you to the people who are here in the webinar tonight the people who are listening later on just to say when frustration comes when you think about where you're frustrated whatever that area might be in your life some good questions to ask ourselves are these i'm frustrated well what's god wanting to do inside you through it and in it i'm really frustrated so what do we need to start doing differently what do we need to start doing what do we need to stop doing what needs to change what do we need to stop focusing on what can we give thanks for what can we draw hope and, and faith and encouragement from? Who do we need to? Who do we need to connect to for strength? Who do we need to connect for to get encouragement? Who do we need to connect with for wisdom? I'm talking about people here. Who are the people we need to get around us who can maybe challenge us but encourage us as well? What do we need to flee? Are there any temptations, any areas, any kind of um, any people that we need to kind of avoid from? What does our change look like? Change is a word that really is the Bible word for change is repentance. It's a heart change. So what do we need to change? What do we need to repent from? And repent is a turning we turn from something we also turn to something so what are we turning from but what are we turning to because you know half repentance is turning from something so when we turn to something it's like a change of direction a change of a mind a change of heart entirely that's what repentance is so what does our repentance look like i remember by praying um praying for people now obviously if there's anything specific that you would like prayer for any genuine areas of frustration or challenge or, or something then just put them in the chat box or put them in the q a the q a only i see the q a um the chat box is public so obviously do that um but i'm going to pray and then if there is no questions at the end of my prayer i'm going to you know end the call and say thanks very much um but just as i'm praying now if there's anything specific you want prayer for put it in the q a and um i'd love to include that as we're praying so father thank you for everyone who's on this call tonight thank you for um them who've come over from all around the world different parts of the world um lord thank you you've got your children all over the place father um the frustration is something that is common to 
all of us at different times and different seasons. So whatever's going on with people here, the reason why they're maybe they're coming and dialed in tonight, whether they're listening live now or they're listening to the replay later, Lord, you know, I thank you, you know our story. I thank you that you know our story, past, present and future. And I thank you that you promise to give us hope, to give us future, to, to do us good, to never leave us or forsake us. So, Father, I pray for everyone here that you would draw close to them as they walk and battle and wrestle with frustration. Father, I pray um, that you would speak to all of us, Lord, you'd open our eyes and open our ears. Because, Jesus, you said that you only see, you see what the Father's doing. So, Lord, I pray that for all of us, you would give us eyes to see what you're doing. So, so we don't focus on what you're not doing, but we focus and aware of what you are doing. Um, Jesus, you also said that you only say what you hear the Father saying. So pray, Father, you'd give us sensitive ears to hear what you're saying to us about ourselves and about the circumstances of our frustration. Father, I pray that you protect us and help us fight fear. Um, Lord, I pray for gifts of faith that would be given and deposited to people, that they would, um, we would get a shift in our perspective where we've seen that kind of the worst what-if case, we would start to see the best what-if case because we have you in that equation, that our future, we would look at the future with you in the mix and you moving in the mix and not you out of the picture. Um, Father, I pray for that for all of us. Lord, I pray you'd help us all find our focus I pray you'd help us um, know who you're calling us to be, who you're asking us to be, what you say about us rather than what we think we are. And I pray as well, Lord, you give us wisdom about people, Lord. Who are the people that we need to connect with? I pray you deposit names on us um, that we would know people we need to reach out to, connect with. Um, I pray for um uh, you know, people that we would be able to kind of, yeah, pursue, take out for coffee, phone, email, um, anyone like that who we just kind of go, you know what, there will be sources of strength and wisdom in this time of need. Um, I pray for that, Father. Um, I pray that you would give strength and um, wisdom as well to recognise anything we need to flee, any art, any issues, any um, challenges, um, uh, yeah, temptations, Father. Uh, and God, I pray as well, Lord, that you would give us energy and impetus and faith to move forwards, to walk forwards in you. Um, Lord, I pray you give us eyes to see over our lives, what you've done and how good you've been to us, reminding us of your faithfulness so that we can be uh, kind of confident, as it were, that what you've done in the past and what you're doing in us now, even if it's not known or not understood, we can be like, OK, God, you're doing something in us. I trust you. I trust you. So, Father, I pray all those things, Father, uh, in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to pray as well for um, people who are, um, Lord, yeah, people who are in communities, small communities of faith, Father. Um, Lord, I pray for um, people who are like, you know, kind of, as it were, like sort of spiritually, almost like it's at crossroads, um, but they're kind of going, how do we navigate this forward? How do we move forward? How do we do this really well? How do we kind of build community? Um, Father, with all those kind of questions, Lord, I pray you Lord, would bless them um, and speak to them. Lord, I pray you would give them the right people and the right resources um, to yeah, help them move forward and push forward, Father. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Thank you. You're good and you're kind and you write stories with all of us um, and that you're an author and a perfecter. So what you started, you bring about to completion. Sometimes we get frustrated because we know the start, but not the end of the story. So God, I pray just draw near us in your, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me this evening.
Um, I have another webinar or two coming up in the next couple of weeks. And what I'm going to be looking to doing going forward is doing webinars on sort of maybe a couple of times a month on different subjects that are um, seem applicable. And some are going to be more partial like this one. Some will be more kind of leadership. Some will be kind of for a church leader angle. Some will be just general leadership stuff or, you know, general kind of things. So um, a couple of things coming up I've got um, that you may have seen, but maybe not. Um, I'm doing something on discovering a leadership style because um, I think there's a lot of stuff around leading and people knowing how to lead and leading in themselves and not trying to be someone else. Um, so that's coming up soon. I think that might even be next week. I'm doing something on um, effective communication because we all communicate with people. Um, and interesting enough, there's eight types of people that you come up against in your life, your family, in your colleagues, uh, strand of strangers, you know, kind of eight broad categories of people. Um, and I'm talking about those eight people and how we interact with each of them, how we talk with each of them. And also I'll give you a tip on how you work out which one of those eight you are, because it will be connected to how you hear information, process information and communicate information. So if we know how we hear and how we speak, that's how you can master it so that's coming up in a couple of weeks time two weeks and then i think in three weeks i'm talking about um seven perspectives for spiritual growth and maturity um which is it's a foundation for some, one of my coaching programs but i'm looking at seven perspectives key perspectives that are essential for healthy spiritual life healthy spiritual maturity so they're all coming up in the next three weeks so if you're interested in any of those you can drop me an email um or um there's uh, an email which went out i think uh certainly last week uh, sorry the start of this week but it will be coming out soon which will help you register and sign up for those and um, if you register for a webinar um then um if you register for a webinar then even if you can't make it on the day because i know time zones are tricky and commitments we've all got lives you'll still get an email which has the replay because i want to make sure that you know just because we all can't make the same time it's still accessible um so feel free to drop me an email it's anthony at anthonyhilda.com i'll answer any questions you've got um you've got any feedback please let me know. Um, that's always helpful and encouraging. If there's, you know, saying it went well, if God spoke to you, or if there's something that you're like, why do you do that? It really annoys me. Please do this. Don't do this again. You know, that's also actually really helpful for me as well as I'm like starting to do these kind of things. So um, bless you. Thank you for coming. And I will hope to hear from you um, or see you in the webinars next week. So take care. God bless.